0: Welcome to The Grit for January 12th,
1: 2023. It's a great day. We got professional surfing in the water right now, you can believe it, just down the street. Oh yeah, that's right. The uh, junior comp at Seaside. Yeah. I was shocked, to be honest. I wrote about it this morning. Uh, I drove by yesterday and saw them in the water. Not 12 hours after a major rainfall event, which made me stop and think, huh?
0: Made you think what?
1: Well, Surfline, the official forecasting partner of the World Surf League, of course, advises not to surf 72 hours after a major rainfall. We just had one less than 12 hours ago, or as of yesterday when they were surfing. Um, and anybody who I suppose is not from California, but uh, California, when it rains, especially Southern California, the water becomes an honest to goodness toxic stew, right? And I think California surfers, depending on the person and level of comfort, will either wait or surf, right? But to make the juniors go out there into a hepatitis soup seemed not in keeping with the World Surf League's traditional abundance of caution. Maybe they
0: are uh, turning a new leaf for 2023. They're becoming more grit.
1: That's what I was wondering if if the new motto is an abundance of caution to the wind. (laughs) <laughs> it seems to be um i mean doesn't that I, seem kind of crazy when
0: you think about it no like no it doesn't at all to so. be honest i think i mean it, well it does for the corporation based on the way that they've run their business in the past you're right abund- abundance of caution is the perfect way to put it that's how they run so yes this is weird for them but in terms of surfer ethos in general nobody cares if it's been raining
1: Oh, I mean, I don't think the surfer ethos in general, like, but I'm thinking like if one of these kids gets hep C, which is a real possibility, right? I mean, it's not a, it's, there's not an insignificant chance that, that one of the children could come down with a nasty bacterial infection, right?
0: Well, we trust that you'll be uh, monitoring this situation closely and documenting it if it does happen I
1: I certainly will be but it's just I mean is there a I suppose they all sign mass waivers going in like maybe yeah
0: what's your personal policy on surfing after rain
1: I mean it purely depends on how good the surf is right and so like this last run of swell it's all go I mean it was beautiful surf so uh, but if it's like kind of wind chopped and nasty and it's like I just I'm going to surf to only mostly get wet, then I forego. Do
0: you ever get sick from uh, rain runoff?
1: I haven't in a while, but, uh, you know, when you get those kind of lingering diseases, maybe I have been and just, I don't like to attribute sickness to surfing though.
0: I deal with ear infections and it seems to be worse after a rain.
1: I mean, for certain, like, that's the thing. It's not just you know, whatever. I mean, California, Southern California is a disgusting place. Let's just be honest. And when that stuff gets flushed into the lineup, it's not just like, Oh, you're surfing with dirt and you're surfing with, you know, whatever you're surfing with like industrial grade nastiness plus sewage. And well, I just found out, listen to this one. This is even worse. I would take hep C over this any day. Uh, I was texting with Jen C yesterday. She said, Up in Santa Barbara Way, especially with all this flooding, uh, you paddle out in the lineup and you get poison oak. She's gotten poison oak from the lineup. That's insane. How gnarly is that?
0: Because I suppose you don't actually have to come in contact with the bush. If it's just, if you're near the bush, it probably rubs off of the bush in the water and then contaminates you.
1: That, that and I think just like the massive debris, like you're yeah. you probably whack it's little everywhere. poison oak branches out in the lineup.
0: That's insane, isn't that? Yeah, unusual? yeah. I mean, for listeners who don't live um, near a concrete jungle, every few miles in Southern California, there is a river mouth that goes out into the ocean that pumps out all of essentially the sewage, and the sewage is treated. But in addition to that, if there's been rain, it's just runoff from trash that's been collecting in the hillsides and the trees and in the streets and all that sort of stuff. So you, it's not just that the water is brown and has microscopic bacteria in it. You actually see trash in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I think somebody documented this uh, during this last run on the beach, but hypodermic needles yeah. on the beach. You know, because they get washed out in the ocean and the waves push them back up onto the sand. But I mean, I've seen everything from shopping carts to hypodermic needles to whatever. So, I mean, in theory, somebody who has AIDS or whatever could have used that needle. That needle could poke you randomly or you step on it when you're walking to the beach. Boom. You got AIDS. You know, I mean, literally.
1: What I hear you saying is the World Surf League is giving the next generation of children AIDS. That's, that's, that's exactly right. what I
0: have said. <laughs> um, so when I was growing up, when I was a teenager and really kind of getting into surfing, my mom was very adamant that I did not surf after a rain, or if I was even starting to get sick, I wasn't allowed to go surfing. And of course she was busy working enough to where I could lie to her and say that I was going to school and then go surfing instead. Um, but I've really never adhered to the policy and I, I don't really worry about the rain so much up until the last few years. It seems to be the older I get, the more susceptible I am to that sort of
1: stuff. I mean, it's properly gross. That's the thing. Like, again, it's not just, you know, dirt and whatever. Like it's the industrial, who knows yeah. what's in there? I mean, it's the like these weirdo companies pumping, you know, from biotech to whatever, pumping stuff places and out it goes into the ocean with a, with a solid flush.
0: Yesterday I was driving home in the afternoon, not even from the beach, just driving. uh, And I could, I had this like pain developing in my ear, just like kind of a throbbing, almost like a headache or something, but it was specifically focused in my ear and then started feeling it in my jaw, like in my teeth, you know? And I'm like, Oh no, like this is. is The beginnings of an ear infection, and thank, and I haven't thought about it since then. So I think it's kind of gone away. But I could feel something festering in there. You know,
1: I used to think that ear infections had to be treated with antibiotics. I didn't think you could like muscle them out, but you can easily muscle them out. I guess so. Yeah. So,
0: Um, well, the bigger story here is that the waves have been pumping in Southern California. And not just one run of swell, I feel like we've had almost two weeks now of almost non-stop surf. And a lot of this was documented in last, uh, probably last Friday was that big push where Capitola Pier got broken in half. Um, Just insane swell event where a lot of dormant spots like sand spit have come back to life and actually been maxed out. Like sand spit wasn't even good. It was just huge, you know. I saw people towing sand spit even there was a tow uh team in the lineup that got a lot of ridicule so uh um, Slater
1: later surfing novelty waves in your seal beach
0: yeah yeah i saw that too that'll Weird. come up later in the show actually I'm, I'm holding that one
1: for okay barrel or not
0: um but my question to you is at this age that happens blacks is like all time what is your policy? What are you doing? How do you, do you surf? Do you avoid it? What, what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, I missed the huge, massive day being in Utah. Oh, oh man, yeah, that's so stinking good though. Got all time snowbird David Lee scales. All time, epic. Good Blooper for you. Powder. Anyhow, uh, so I missed that one, uh, but uh, it was funny having texts with, oh, I think I mentioned it last show, about where do you go, right? So typically for me, I'll try to go to a place that's lowly and fat. And that's, that's my big wave policy. Give me a lowly fat thing.
0: Okay. So you're avoiding the main
1: impact of the swell. Yes. Yeah. I am happily avoiding.
0: Me too. Um, I can make an excuse in orange County that there's really nowhere to surf when it's that big, it's too big. And you kind of need points or nooks and crannies. Actually, Laguna has some nooks and crannies that you can try to find that are also sheltered from the weather. Um, but really, it's like San Diego has some points up in LA and beyond have points. But if I'm don't have a whole entire day free to drive and I have to like surf within two hours, there's really nowhere nearby. But don't me. you
1: don't you have to like don't you paddle out just because you have to paddle out as well? I did person I, I surf.
0: Yes, I did for many, many years. But at this point, that's kind of my question to you, is at this point in our lives, it's like, I'm not in peak uh, conditioning. And so the amount of effort required to paddle out in that much water moving or to even make it out to the lineup, like, I don't know if I could even pull it off at a beach break that's 10 feet, tons of paddling, wearing all the rubber. It's like, I don't know if I'm even going to make it out. And then sustaining the wipeouts and all that come with it. It's like, I'm looking for, like you said, a spot that has shelter, a spot that's more lowly, that's not hollow. And uh, then I'll give it a go. I don't have a lot of access to that here, but what I kind of my, what I found myself doing this, this last few weeks is avoiding the main day, trying to get it at the beginning of the swell, or certainly the downside of the swell, there'll be a few days and then try to find where there's a bend in the coast that isn't getting the full impact of the swell that I can get, you know, if it's a 10 foot day, I can find a four foot spot and then yeah. not feel good about myself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, but I think the compunction, the, the necessity of paddling is there. Like, I think you, like, even if you're not going to go at the main, you know, I'm not going to paddle blacks. Oh man. But blacks sure did look fun. It made me want to gear up for blacks next year, to be honest.
0: I didn't make, it didn't look fun to me. The guys that are actually getting waves out there, they're riding eight foot boards, you know, like, which I don't have. I don't have any boards like that in my quiver. And it's like, I don't really want anything to do with that anymore.
1: I mean, like, but those, Pete Terrace, the old photo editor from surfing and surfer legend, icon Pete Terrace, uh, had some shots from up the cliff of blacks that just looked so clean and wonderful. And it made me think, this is right down the street. How am I not like training for blacks?
0: That's the thing is you have to train for it. You can't yeah. paddle out there without being totally prepared. It's being like right. Ocean Beach or something, you know?
1: Except blacks, unlike Ocean Beach, it's not just like this wall of, of kind of nonsense. I mean, not that Ob is nonsense, but it's just like this, you know, thick line. Blacks, I feel you can get out there and then you gotta, but you gotta surf it when you're out there.
0: Well, it's much more defined. It's actually way better than Ocean Beach, but the amount of uh, effort required and strength required and cardio and all that stuff is still the same.
1: But that's where we should be, David Lee. That's where we should be. We should have reinvigorated passions at the start of this 2023.
0: I guess that really is the focus of my question to you is like, I don't have that level of passion for doing that thing anymore. I see it and I think, oh, sweet. I'm going to wait for a six foot day.
1: But isn't that just a slippery slope? I mean, I hear you. Yes, I, like, it is. I want to gear back up to, you know on the biggest day, I want to be at the best spot.
0: Yeah. Well, I admire you and I'm willing to be talked into it. I think, I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, is it testosterone production that wanes as you get older? Because what I'm trying to communicate is i don't have the drive within me and yeah. you can you can try to motivate me but there's something in the core of me that isn't that isn't there any longer that used to be there
1: but that's what i think you need to you need to whip the little amount that's there back into shape you need to say we want this don't we and just fake it till you make it
0: yeah i think the training part uh kind of builds on itself like if you go for a run in the morning you have more energy throughout the day and then you actually find yourself craving more nutrient dense foods and all that sort of stuff. So maybe that is part of it is just one foot in front of the other. And then the passion returns. And then maybe the testosterone production does kick in and all that sort of stuff.
1: I but, think that's what it is. I think it is, it is easy to be sedentary and it's not easy to go tackle stuff, but at any time, but once you start attempting, then you, it builds upon itself.
0: Yeah. Because I do admire um, a friend of mine, Jamin Luoto, who is co owner of NVS Finns, the Finn Company. He's always, I've always thought the guy looks pretty fit. Even his Instagram photo, he's hulking. You know what I mean? Like six pack, but same stage of life as me, has a kid, all this sort of stuff. And uh, he's always been health conscious. So I admire that. But he mentioned to me that he was surfing blacks during that big day. I was like, oh, sweet, good for him, you know? Well, then a random photographer got a photo of him and he sent me the photo. It is an absolute once in a lifetime photo of one's self-surfing that you would blow up into poster sizes and hang in your wall. It is from the cliff looking down a perfect barreling left. Like it looks like it would be pipeline essentially, 12 feet for sure on the face. And him having taken off right at the peak and the images is, is of him bottom turning at the bottom of the wave with a barrel lining up, who knows, he probably got shacked on that thing too, with a couple dudes out the back on guns, like sitting there on their guns with the board sticking out of the water, you know, so you kind of have perspective of the whole lineup and everything and he is on the wave of the day. And oh. I'm like... I'm like, dude, I am so jealous of you. Whatever level of training that went into getting you into that position on that wave is worth it.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying, David. 2023 is the day, I mean, okay. the start of the time when you and I are going to paddle blacks next year at this time. Early when we
0: started, when we started the show 199 episodes ago, I never would have thought it would be you motivating me it's to stay lie. fit and get into the water.
1: That's what's going to happen. We're doing it.
0: I thought you were on the downward trajectory <laughs> of just gluttony and hedonism.
1: It's really it was true, but I've seen the light now, apparently. yeah.
0: Um, well, we got some feedback from our last show. Um, you know, we've been publishing this stuff on YouTube, and I'm getting better at taking clips of it and putting it on Instagram as well. But interestingly, Community develops. Like people give people more ways to engage, and turns out they engage. And I'm kind of enjoying, you know, like we're talking about Chris Owens and the Waimea kook that he ran him over essentially, and Chris ended up in the hospital.
1: Yes. I
0: don't think Chris Owens would ever listen to our podcast normally, but we put that on YouTube. It gets pushed through the algorithm, and Chris Owens commented on our YouTube. Amazing. What did Chris Owens say? He said, Thank you guys for publishing this and may i add this after getting tangled by at least three leashes on that wipeout i noticed that the idiot's board didn't have a back fin in it exclamation point so it was either a thruster without a back fin or maybe it was a four fin that just didn't have the trailer fi- like a fifth trailer fin but no wonder he was so out of control um and i think the guy who got run over that was in front of us may have just come up from that hold down like so I I messaged Chris or replied publicly on there and I was like dude because obviously he was hospitalized that was the story and I was like I'm just curious what injuries you suffered and he replied back and said 14 stitches plus three on the inside it was a three and a half inch laceration that was one inch deep from a fin The worst thing about this is that the Eddie is now on alert and I'm a third alternate. So if it runs, I could miss out on a lifelong dream.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, hopefully, thankfully, I suppose in this case, they didn't run yesterday and that Chris can heal up and that two others drop out and that he's in.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of common, actually, for alternates to run in the Eddie because a lot of people who get invited just don't make it in time.
1: And also, I think the with the next swell, I mean, they're talking about January 22nd as a possible date, which I think is looking very good for Jaws too. And so if they, I don't know if they would run them at the same time, but if they do, then for sure some Eddie surfers would opt to go surf Jaws. And there we go.
0: What do you think is the more prestigious event? What, Like if you were invited to both, which do you surf?
1: I mean, I'd surf the Eddie, but just because of the history. Uh, but as I haven't seen any prize money for the Eddie and the Jaws event has what, what's the purse. I mean, it's deep, whatever it is. Right. Like, so, I mean, if I was a work a day, big wave surfer, I might choose the Jaws event, but in terms of prestige and what I would want and even claiming, I think you surf the Eddie is a, I mean, getting in, being in third alternate to the Eddie is a huge deal, right? Being a, like selected for the eddie is a major major deal i mean i remember uh jamie o'brien's because you get an awesome i don't know if you still do you used to get an awesome trophy or a thing like wall hanging thing just to be selected right and i remember at jamie o'brien's house just staring at his uh eddie invitee you know thing just thinking man that is something right there to even have that you were an eddie invitee is like a major deal
0: i agree i'd go the eddie all day every day um It doesn't run obviously very often. And so, whereas the JAWS event runs every year, basically. And uh, I can't remember a year where it didn't run essentially, there's just more swell that allows it to run. Well, and and the Um, JAWS event
1: is not size specific, like as long as it's big, right? Eddie has a, has to be over what, 20 feet? Is that the- Something.
0: I don't know what they set it at, but it has to be big. Yeah. Well, so I run, I would do the Eddie if given the chance, if I was in one of those guys' position. And then the other thing is, you know, you might not ever get invited back to the Eddie because it might not run for eight years and you're kind of out of your prime at that point. You will still be invited to Jaws next year and you'll especially be invited to Jaws if you win the Eddie or if you do well in the Eddie. And so if the Eddie has even got the potential of running, I think that's where you focus your attention on.
1: The, uh... Are we going to talk about the Eddie now? Is this in yeah, the show notes?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I have from reports that I heard from people close to some of the uh, competitors or invitees, there was some frustration at the call on and then call off because everybody jumped. You know, I mean, these it's not like these invitees live in uh, all of them live in Hawaii. I mean, they're coming from Europe, they're coming from South Africa, they're coming from, you know, a lo- many of them from a long ways away. Uh, and so once it goes on, right? It got called on Monday for Wednesday, so they got to hustle and get to the North Shore, and then it got called off on Tuesday. So, of course, that's the nature of the game, right? Like, it's not like you know. And I think arguably, I watched. I mean, you and I had texted about it yesterday. The Surfline did a remarkable job of capturing the day, right? Yeah. And well, I don't know that it was necessarily Eddie worthy watching the whole watching a bunch of it right
0: it wasn't it was the swell wasn't the swell was forecasted to be 50 feet and it wasn't so they they did a good job by not running the eddy yesterday i think that was the right call in hindsight but what i was surprised by was that they green lit quote the event on monday because it would be prudent to yellow light it and what we've done or what the wsl has done with big wave events is yellow up until the morning of show up and then switch it to green. So I don't understand why the Eddie would just opt for green, knowing that yellow is an option.
1: I mean, I, I suspect it's because it doesn't make any difference to the surfers themselves, right? If it's a yellow, if it's yellow lit, you got to get there anyway. And also I think if it's green lit, you get the excitement, all the surf media. And I saw it in, you know, uh, mainstream media too, the Eddie's on, right? Where if you, I think to get that, I think they would need that hype uh, in order for, if it runs, then we're guaranteed eyeballs because it's not like it's a Red Bull event or something that has sort of a built-in ecosystem of viewers uh, and a way to promote it. They have to get as much word of mouth as they can out there quickly in order for people to know that it's on, I think. So it serves them to to green.
0: I think it was a mistake because it screwed me. Like as a fan, if it's green light, that means guaranteed we're running on this day and we kind of clear our schedule and we're ready for it. And I feel fooled when yesterday they go, oh no, it's red light now because once in, again, up until now, it was always green means go. Otherwise you say yellow. And the fact that they didn't say yellow told me we're guaranteed going. And so I feel like a little bit duped as the fan. And I feel a little bit more apprehensive to trust their predictions and calls, you know, for the 22nd, which by the way, it's way too early to call the 22nd. That's what I didn't <laughs> understand.
1: I didn't understand the 22nd call unless it was a straight up, uh, not bait and switch, but like, a, hey, we know that you're disappointed. And so to uh, to tamp down your disappointment, we're going to throw you another date right away that is w- is ludicrously early. Totally. It's fine to
0: say, again, we're aiming that. Or but a it's man, not okay to be like know, big
1: swells on the way, but, or theoretically exactly. winter in Hawaii. And there's, you know, the, the, uh, Pacific storm system. I mean, it has been a ridiculous winter in the, in the Pacific. Just in the
0: last month though. I mean, cause yeah. it wasn't really in the month prior. Um, so another huge story that really, I think is not discussed nearly enough. Do you know, did you recognize how many women were in the lineup at Waimea yesterday?
1: I sure did it was it's like 10 yeah a bunch like charging so and also uh it
0: wasn't that crowded i when i pulled up the surfline well actually we should talk about surfline first um surfline did a phenomenal job we talked about this i want to say a year ago that i might have even predicted it because i interviewed the new ceo of surfline his i forget his kyle i forget his last name um it'll probably come to me but The way that he talked about the way that they were structuring the business, he didn't explicitly state this, but it implied, and I kind of gathered the information and realized they are in a position to do what nobody's ever done before. And what actually might be more interesting than contests themselves, because they know uh, where, where these swells are happening, swell events all around the world at any time. They have cameras there already, and they also are on direct calls with professional surfers. So for listeners who don't know, the Kelly Slaters of the world, and they're not just pulling up surfline.com, they have phone numbers with individual people, forecasters who they can call to get insider access to these things. So if those people at Surfline know, hey, Nathan Florence and Kai Lenny and whoever else are headed to Cloudbreak, let's send a camera crew. You know, and by the way, let's have commentary and the cameras. We don't even need to send the commentators there. We can just send the cameras there and um,
1: commentate from back home,
0: commentate from HQ in Huntington beach. We have the website. We have all the infrastructure to kind of, Uh, make it all happen. It wouldn't be another huge investment for them to run live streams of the major swell events around the world with professional surfers. And that's kind of what they ended up implementing yesterday. They had commentators, they had multiple camera angles, and I thought it was
1: excellent. I mean, so my question, I suppose, uh, in terms of the long-term viability of this is they were clearly using the cameras because the cameramen and all the camera stuff was there for the Yeti, right? It had been green lit. Everyone was there ready to go. And so then when it goes red, uh, you know, Surfline smartly somehow, you know, got together with the contest organizers and said, Hey, we're going to pay X, you know, these, these guys, we're just going to pay them for the day and did it. Right. But so how, like, I wonder what the expense, all that stuff was already in place. Surfline just had to pay the day rate probably for everybody. Uh, I don't
0: know if they even utilized their crew. Why couldn't Surfline just set up their own crew?
1: Because definitely Surfline didn't have a crew out there. Surfline has static cameras, right? Surfline's not sending cameramen places. And so there was, the cameramen were in place for the Eddie. They weren't Surfline employees. So, like, So Surfline just tapped into an existing resource. So the question would be, how much is that kind of thing? If say they, you know, there's some legendary swell coming into J Bay. How many cameras do you need, et cetera, et cetera, that Surfline would actually have to send?
0: Well, I agree with you. They can employ people that are already on the ground there. I'm not saying that they use their stagnant Surfline angle or Surfline camera angle, but you know, you could find a drone operator, a couple of drone operators in every location, a couple of cameramen oh, to bring their, their tripod. You don't need like a scaffolding at most places with a camera set like you could just send somebody with a tripod basically.
1: I mean, yeah, at, at a lot of waves you could, but but yesterday's angles were very clearly and the and the professionalism was it was a professional video whole thing set up. It wasn't just like Randos on the cliff with you know a decent camera. It well to like your
0: to your point, whoever the Eddie is hiring to film that stuff, Surfline can also hire. It's not like they have to go through the Eddie organizers, is my point.
1: Sure, I just wonder what, I just wonder how much that costs, and if Surfline would be willing or wanting to. They, I mean, I I think they should, right? I loved. I sat there there yesterday and watched as much of that as not as much as as I would have watched the contest, but I watched a whole ton of it, right? Like I left it open on the screen, and there it Me was. Too. It was it was yeah. epic. It was. Like, it was a wonderful thing. I would love for Surfline to do that. I mean, that would make me a massive Surfline fan. If they started filming every year, if you knew that, you know, the eight or ten best of best days at certain places were going to be filmed in that way, like where you got to experience, because it really felt, I mean, the experience was different, right? You really felt like you were, I don't know, partaking in a moment in a way that was- That that wasn't just like watching a surf contest. Well,
0: it's better than a surf contest. It's much more reflective of what surfing actually is and partaking in the moment. The reality is when the waves are that big and there's those people out, it's not a con they're not vying against one another. They're trying to conquer mother nature. And so there's a camaraderie that exists in that lineup that we all can relate to. And, uh, it's a much more accurate reflection of the ethos of surfing than two people trying to beat one another you know and, in in 3 foot beach break or something like that or in a but, wave pool even worse for
1: sure but but even in terms of like the the human need for winners and losers i i think i would love for surfline to put in there like have uh you could almost do it a running poll of who had the who had the wave of the day right where well, you can have everybody's names on like a sidebar and a very easy, as you're watching, voting for, oh, that was sick, right? As a as a surfer, being able to recognize, uh, you know, as a community, I think that nobody would flood the, or maybe somebody would, but flood the voting with bots or whatever. I, but I just think that it would be fun for us uh, to be judges. This opens, I mean, truly, I was thinking this
0: yesterday. Them implementing that opens up a whole bunch of other new options for yes contests to exist within the thing for us to engage with it and be able to do the voting it's like there's been the contest for um like digital triple crown or whatever where you generate clips and then after the fact everybody votes on them and all this it's all of those things but in real time yeah and the the, the, the biggest hurdle the hurdle that the wsl has to deal with this is the biggest blockade in their business is getting the best surfers around the world to a specific surf spot, timing it with a swell and all that. Surfline solved that already. Surfline is already doing the hardest portion of the job. Getting a little bit of a camera crew there is actually the easiest part of the job. And that's the only hurdle that they have. They did that yesterday. And now that they've done that, they can actually do everything else that exists in all these different versions of content creation that we see that always ends up happening after the fact. And we have to then report on and see after the swell is gone. We can do it all now live.
1: I mean, the, the best part of, of it too, or one of the great parts is the surfers in the water. It's a self-selective group, right? Like, so they were people, it wasn't like chosen or come up through the WS. QS ranks or you know some other way like it's not Philippe Toledo at Chopu who you don't want to see right like or who will not surf or whatever this was people who have dedicated their lives to Waimea and so you're you get to it doesn't matter if they're big names or no names or what right you don't need to see Kelly Slater out there like I love watching Kelly at Waimea is fantastic but the people who were surfing yesterday it was it was poetry I thought it was people who have dedicated their lives really to Waimea and surf it the way it should be surfed.
0: I agree. I really felt almost like it was a flashpoint that we weren't fully recognizing in the moment, but like a flashpoint of what now is possible in this modern era. And so bravo to Surfline for uh, pulling that off. And so back to kind of what we were saying about the females in the lineup, Um, there was, it wasn't that crowded. And so I almost thought that there was an event going on and I had to then turn the volume up on the commentary to kind of listen for long enough to see if maybe there was an event that I was that isn't the Eddie that I wasn't aware of. And it wasn't, it was open for anybody. Anybody could have paddled out there, but it just happened to not be that crowded. I'd say there was 30 people in the lineup at any given time and 10 of them were women. So what this has to do with a uh, side story is the Red Bull magnitude
1: event. Are you familiar with this? I am from Gen C, thankfully.
0: Okay. Which again, underreported on. This is an event that's been taking place the last two years. It's a women's only uh, user submitted content event. Basically Red Bull, I think they put up 50,000 bucks. Let me see. I copy and pasted some stuff from their website. Um, It's a three month waiting period. And users or the participants. It's not invite. I think anybody can participate. You just have to submit clips from three different locations, YMEA being one of them, and um, people vote. I think there's a judging committee, and then also users can vote, and they determine an overall winner, so the highest cumulative score from all three waves. They determine the best ride, the best toe-in wave, the best breakthrough performer, and then the people's choice also. And so there's a lot of women who are big wave, um, you know, aficionados like Bianca Valenti, for example, who's from Northern California, but she's spending a bunch of time in Hawaii this year to hopefully make it all worth her while with a big paycheck at the end by participating in this event. So I think that's why we saw a lot of women out at YMA yesterday was- they are in a contest, but it's not a contest that only exists on that day. They're just trying to get the best clip that
1: day. You know. I really I don't want to be a bummer here, David Lee Scales, but I really want this stupid digital triple crown, blah, blah, user submitted, we vote at the end thing to go away. Like live sport is something. If, they, if the Red Bull magnitude, if they said, "Oh, okay, this is Eddie, you're not running, then we are going to run a contest at YMA. Everybody, everybody can be out there. But we are going to crown one of those 10 women, the winner of that day.
0: Yes, but I still see the value in the digital submitted content thing too.
1: I mean, I think it I think it furthers, especially at this sort of nascent age, it furthers progression. But yeah, nothing beats live sport. I mean, and that's what I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. Watching yesterday, watching live, right? Even though there wasn't a contest, there wasn't a you know, there will, it wasn't competitive. It still isn't surfing. You're out there, you know, of course, as you say, competing against mother nature, you're also pride on the line, wanting to get the biggest wave, wanting to get the ride of the day. Right. And again, yeah. I understand the sort of need ish for this three month waiting period and blah, 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 all of that stuff always leaves me flat forever. Like I don't care about the digital crown, triple crown. I don't, I want to care about, uh magnitude and i do that it's pushing progression but i i won't watch the finished product i want to see live in the moment
0: that's why surfline is so well poised is that for them to have you and i have that tab open all day long is revenue for them with their advertisers that they're running on the website then they can post production package the highlights of the day that goes viral the following day and who knows for however long but, but if they could then also have some sort of a contest that you're actively engaged in the day of boom that's a trifecta
1: do it surfline
0: do it uh you want to <laughs> you want me to really grind your gears when it comes to the digital content thing
1: yes please
0: um you're never going to believe who is currently If you go and look at the list of pipe masters, people who have won pipe masters event, you're never going to believe one of the names that is on that list. Who won pipe masters in 2021?
1: Uh, 2021, Philippe Toledo. No, he did not.
0: We know Ballerum is on there from 2022, uh, 2022. which which has almost an asterisk on it because the event was so different. 2021 Pipe Master, Crosby Pinto. Oh,
1: Crosby Colapinto was the Pipeline Master. How are the ways?
0: 2021. Well, first of all, Scott Bass had to tell me this information last week or the week before. And I'm like, no, that can't be right. That's yeah. like a typo or something. And he's like, no, it's listed on, I guess, Vans's website because that year was digital
1: Uh, Oh no. It was digital. It was a COVID. It was a COVID year. It was digital
0: only. And so he got the wave, I guess, of that winter for that venue. They do the three venue thing. So he got the wave at pipe. I think it was backdoor actually. Um, And so it's, and so in my mind, it's like fantastic. He earned it because that, if you're submitting clips against John, John and everybody else, That's hard to do, hard to beat him. So he earned whatever that was that year, but you can't call it a pipe master's title. Like him being on the list of other pipe masters should be
1: demarcated as different, you know? As a a COVID digital year. I mean, yeah, this digital submission stuff, I'm really over it. I know that it's, it's cost savings and it's way easier for, you know, content producers to do it that way but man, I, the only thing that really works is live.
0: Yeah. Well, there was a live event that took place two days ago, which nobody's talking about because they do such a poor job of advertising it. The, the Dahui shoot Backdoor Out. Shootout ran day one, uh, which isn't as exciting as you might expect. It was actually just the SUP division, SUP and longboard divisions.
1: I, I love you- that, I lo- I did not, but I love that Dahui has sub and longboard divisions.
0: I, so it's easy to kind of, I don't know, point at and make fun of until you watch it. I watched a bit of it. It's freaking gnarly. Like the stand up paddlers, uh, they get in early. It's actually very functional. I think you'd see a lot more of them out there if it wasn't so crowded on a regular basis, but to have the lineup cleared and allow them to have that early entry and all that sort of stuff is off. It's awesome. It's pretty epic, actually.
1: I mean, and to Dahui's full credit, like Hawaii has a history. I mean, it's easy to mock suppers, you know, out at Carter Reef and stuff like that. But Hawaii has this long Waterman history, right, where these like all it's not just high, you know, high-performance shortboard surfing. Like it is longboarder and high-performance longboarding and supping and all of this. like And bodyboarding. Yeah, bodyboarding and body surfing and all, like the idea of being a water person is real in Hawaii, right? And so totally. and so having the suppers and the longboarders and everything out there makes absolute perfect sense.
0: Well, I always think about, yeah, I try to put aside my own um, whatever biases and not just think in high performance shortboard terms. And so I I just think, okay, whatever the right equipment is for the given waves. And when I watched those guys paddling in a pipe early, getting early access, setting up for the tube, I realized, oh my God, that might actually be a more functional way. That might be the ideal board to ride pipe with, except what ended up happening was a lot of them, because of that early entry, they're going too fast and they're out in front of the barrel like a lot of them don't position deep enough until kai lenny got a wave and kai lenny because every and everybody else's board is so wide as well that it's hard to kind of get into some of the barrels so they'd find themselves either down low or out in front but kai lenny rides a way smaller board way narrower way less volume it's like a high performance stand-up paddle and he took off on the first wave I saw him on at pipe. He got in early, but kind of real deep as well. Switched the paddle into his left hand. So it was just, he was just holding the paddle at that point. It wasn't even touching the water, grabbed his rail, pig dog stance, like he would be on a short board, got fully pitted, got blown out of the thing, then kicked out, pulled up his paddle and paddled right back out. So he never dropped down to his stomach or anything. He just utilized that perfect pig dog thing. He rode the wave flawlessly.
1: I mean, good on Kyle Lenny. And did Kyle Lenny win? I mean, is the subdivision over now?
0: Who the heck knows, dude? They don't publish anything. There's no names on the screen for who's up and writing. And of course, I don't know who any of the stand-up paddlers are. Like, they leave a lot to be desired to but- hoodie And it, I admire so much. Like, I love what they're doing. I just want so much more as a fan.
1: I wonder if, uh, how much the, the shootout though is for people actually on the beach for the, that's what I've always had the, under the impression, uh, and especially in chatting with Eddie about it, that it is an event for Hawaiians by Hawaiians really. So it, sure they'll throw it on, they'll broadcast it, but that's not the, that's not, it's not for you and me. It's for them.
0: It's, it's for very them. clear. It's very clear that the broadcast is an afterthought.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause what are they getting? You know, a little brand recognition.
0: I mean, they had uh Monster Energy was sponsoring a lot of it, like they had cans set up in the foreground of the commentators and they're constantly referencing it, which he I think I don't even know that or Dr. Isaiah. Is it Dr. Isaiah Walker? Is that his name? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. He was the guy yeah, from
0: um, No, is he from NYU? I don't know. BYU. I'm embarrassed. Oh, oh maybe. I'm embarrassed, I don't know. Um I didn't know the other guy's name. I saw his name on the screen and he introduced himself. And then the Dr. Isaiah, I've seen, you know, a handful of times over the years and he's really good. Is he the same uh, dude I mean,
1: in, uh, that was in Through the Doggy Door?
0: Oh, you're right. Is that him? Oh man, I don't know. It could have been. I yeah. didn't I didn't see him as much as I was hearing him. Um, but the guy in Through the Doggy Door was also in... Uh, Waterman, the Duke yeah. Kahanamoku Moku documentary. I mean, he's like
1: he's like the expert of Hawaiian culture and as it relates to surf. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's great.
1: He's yeah. totally
0: great. So at any rate, the Dahui backdoor shootout. Um, I the the streaming has gotten better and better. Like this year's version of it was better than last year's. So I think that they're kind of getting to the point that it actually will be watchable, but they don't package any of the clips after the fact. So the only way to watch it is either live or the rebroadcast of the live stream on YouTube, which you can go find now. And it's like three and a half hours long, but you have to kind of scrub to the waves. If you want to see waves and not sit through the full three hours of it. Love it. Um, and then there's no scores on the screen. There's no replays. Oftentimes, it's a um, it's a challenge. Perfect.
1: Yeah, exactly as it should be. The Hawaiian way.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Let's okay. Let's go into sponsor talk. A uh, couple of things, big things happening in sponsor news. Halby um, Layer took to Instagram to uh, complain, essentially, about Dakine de- de- letting him go. <laughs> uh kalia kalia not kalia who was it alessa alessa Quizon posted a couple of weeks ago it's been in my notes for a couple of weeks but wasn't a story on it, its own now it's part of another sponsor other sponsors talk so we could talk about uh alessa Quizon ripping off her billabong sticker off of her board
1: i saw and I then saw the clip. i remember you, watching the clip
0: yeah and then um Connor Coffin, in just kind of late breaking news, is said to be off of Rip Curl as well, oh. now that he's no longer on tour. Oops. So so that's breaking news. But we'll start and kind of center this conversation around Albie Layer, Alby, often often makes his way into our show based on um, controversial behavior.
1: Is Albie Layer makes me want to think, uh, the Prince Harry of surfing? make uh, say more a lot of grievances that that's when you hear from him there's a lot of grievances like you don't really hear about prince harry's you know the reason he's so in the news right now is just airing all the dirty laundry and not that albie airs dirty laundry but it's oftentimes when he hits the news it is he's come i mean the last time before now was complaining about not being invited to the pipe masters uh now we have a complaint about what what is the specific complaint about Dekine? What does he what does he say?
0: Well, it's hard. Okay, I'll, I'll he actually thanks Dekine. So he spends the first paragraph saying it's been an amazing 20 years. And thank you to a couple of individual people in the company, Micah and Nickens, and, I think, um, a couple of other people. And then he closes out by saying, as far as what I'm going to do now, I don't know. I was told not to publicly say that it's over because it hurts my market value. Ha, ha, ha. Rockstar Energy is still my freaking ride or die. So I still have part of my job and I will do everything to push it further. And then June Shine Co., Uh, is also supporting me with some of my ideas as well. I'm pretty good at taking a punch and I usually come back harder. I took one too many times this year already, but whatever. The only thing I'm sure of is I'm not effing done. End quote. Okay. Okay.
1: I guess that's not complaining.
0: Um, No, it wasn't an outright complaint, to be honest, like we've seen with his pipe master's post. But I was left with a bad taste in my mouth in terms of, like it does and the same thing with Alyssa ripping off the sticker. Hers, her caption was like, "All thank you for the opportunity. We had a good time together, but even the ripping off of the sticker feels like there is some animosity. Like his post felt like there's animosity towards the kind. And I'm so,
1: bummed. I mean, imagine you have this, your Albie layer, you have a dream of being a pro surfer and you reach it right Uh, and kind of on your own terms too like albie didn't have to go i mean he wasn't a tour surfer made content surf big waves did cool stuff and it coming to the end has to sting right
0: yeah absolutely but that I don't think it's your, whoever gave you a paycheck for 20 years, you should only have gratitude for. And if you are not creating value for that company, it's a pretty black and white decision. You know what I mean? And, or I think what I've seen happen so many times now over the years is the company evolves and changes and becomes a corporation. And so those individuals who he was thanking maybe aren't at the helm anymore and they're not making the decisions anymore and so now the corporation is making a decision and your relationship is not with the corporation and so unless you are providing clear value that they can say is on you know the earning side of the ledger then it's an easy decision to let you go and you can't be mad at the corporation
1: but i don't like it doesn't sound like he's mad though. It seems like he's hurt, and I think that's one hurt, of the yeah. that, that's one of the great things about Albie through the years. I think is the heart on the sleeve. Right? You'll always get, uh, I feel, an honest uh, emotional response to something from Albie Lair, which is it's not it's not packaged. It's not what he's supposed to do. You know, he'll he'll tell you how he feels, which is great and makes me sad for Albie to be honest. That the yeah. ride is over, or but maybe it's not over, but. well themes over
0: i guess i agree with everything that you're saying um there's some for some reason the tone of it when he does this or when he does it with the pipe masters the tone is where i think is slightly amiss i don't think his i don't think he's wrong-headed i don't you know it's just the tone like bobby martinez for example has been maligned let's just say by the surf industry and he has an effort attitude but I never hear him playing the victim.
1: Well, because I think Bobby Bobby doesn't feel hurt. I don't think by it, right? Like I think, Bobby, I think Bobby has gone, has, like, forged his own path and is like, "F you, I'm doing this." Right? He's not hurt. I think Albie is genuinely hurt by the industry, like by that, that's the part that bothers me. <laughs> I,
0: but it, but it makes <laughs> he's me... not a victim in any way, shape, or form. He is not a victim of but the it
1: industry. Makes him, you don't think it makes him endearing? of like
0: it's not endearing in any way to me it's like cringy to me
1: i'm I'm gonna i think it's i'm gonna take back the prince harry analysis or uh comparison and say i'm gonna say this makes alby likable he's well
0: yeah well maybe it is to his fans but what i worry and i i actually love alby as a surfer i think we can all agree like he is one of the most innovative and talented surfers of our time Um, and he's reproved it repeatedly for like well over a decade. Right. So I like him. And as a fan of surfing, I want to see more of Albie. My concern is that his doing this to a brand or uh, the tone of feeling victimized by the industry, all of that thing doesn't necessarily cue him up for brands wanting to work with him in the future. And I think that, It's well-documented that you could be uber-talented and not make a career out of surfing. You have to have kind of the right um, way of branding yourself, the right image. And by the way, that image can also be provocative. Like brands will get behind provocative. So if he wants to run that angle, he could run that angle. But he's in a space where he's being provocative in a way that is begging for sympathy. And I don't think that's endearing.
1: Do you think that Albie Lair could go steal market share from Ben Gravy if he so chose?
0: Interestingly, he and Matt Miola had a vlog well before, yeah, well before Ben Gravy that was excellent and hilarious. Like them sitting by the fireside on a bearskin rug drinking Red Bull or a Monster. Wait, no, Rockstar. Rockstar. The third one, the rock star out of champagne flutes, you know, it was hilarious. Why? And so why, they they could absolutely revive that.
1: Why doesn't he go back to the vlogosphere? They really should. I mean, he could go do because Alby actually sir Not that Ben Gravy doesn't surf, but Alby is actually a great surfer, not a like upper intermediate surfer. And so he could go crush. I mean, imagine him. He could probably crush some novelty waves and then go get some real waves in there too.
0: And I think Matt Miola would be super primed for that as well. Like he's a fascinating figure uh, in terms of like all the bow hunting and everything else that he does. His sister is a celebrity. They hang with Willie Nelson and their kids, you know, it's like,
1: for sure. Be, it's vlog don't, be gold. Sad. don't be sad. Go vlog.
0: I think I'll be, So this is part of the bigger conversation too. And this were, uh, relates to Connor. This relates to Alessa Because Connor and Parker also, they had young wise tales before anybody else was vlogging. So they could revitalize that too. But the larger conversation here is that everybody needs to reevaluate their value and not expect surf brands to be their one golden ticket. Because that's just not the way it works anymore. And whenever I interview pro surfers for Surf Splendor, one of my questions at the end is always like, with Joel Tudor, what does Vans expect of you? And what do you expect of Vans? And hearing people answer that question over the years, it's evolved tremendously because 10 years ago it was, I have to show up to this many signings. I have to get my image in the magazines, you know, and what do I expect of them? A paycheck every two weeks that allows me to buy plane tickets and go do my thing. And that's no longer what it is. And it's also no longer one brand that, you know, Connor Coffin, Rip Curl, and we're in this together. Hell no. Rip Curl is a corporation. They're not going to coddle you and you should not expect them to carry you through your retirement. So rethinking the entire thing and how you create value, really you're creating value to your fan base. And so maybe Albie is playing that angle of like, I'm going to try to endear myself to my fan base, but the brands that are going to want to ride along with that, they're just going to want to sponsor a post. They're not going to want to ride with you for 20 years. Like the did,
1: you know, is, uh, with Connor love Connor coffin. And I think Connor coffin has like a ton of brand personal brand equity in terms of like being a. I don't know, California surfer and specifically kind of a central coasty California surfer. I would imagine that he, you know, moves a lot of product up in there. I mean, what's, what do you think his uh, arc is?
0: Well, either go hard with Parker on revitalizing the vlog lifestyle thing, because they are both world-class surfers and they could, I mean, it would take some financial investment. They'd have to map it out like a business plan and be like, look, this next year, we are going to chase swell right. and we're going yeah. to go selfie mode and document it and then create all the social assets and plaster them out everywhere through our sponsors. Blah, blah. That would be a plan, which I think they could achieve. Uh, plan two would be try to get back on tour.
1: I mean, is he, do you know, is he, has he been challenger, challenging, challenger seriesing? I don't know challenging series or yeah i don't know but also an untold story
0: of connor that we can kind of get into a little bit right now um that he did not play the victim about no was he was number four in the world uh finished fourth in the world two years ago before they implemented the cut and ace Buckin retired who was the surfer's rep connor coffin the wsl <laughs> asked for him to be the surfer's rep so he took the surfer's rep position and to be honest he shouldn't have taken that like when you're fourth in the world and you're young and you're new on tour and relatively new on tour you should be focused on winning a world title the surfer's rep position requires actual responsibility the the side story here is that my understanding is Connor wasn't ever cool with the mid-year cut concept. And so he finds himself trying to advocate for what the WSL's kind of new direction is, trying to advocate for that to the surfers and then trying to kind of appease the surfers' feedback and share that with the WSL. So he's kind of in between a rock and a hard place, all while still trying to surf in heats and and go, and then ends up being a victim of the mid-year cut and ends up DQ'd
1: off tour. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is like disappointing. I feel because uh, Connor of all people that I know on tour is an absolute class act. Like he carries himself with both. I mean, he is Connor. You can't ask for a better person than Connor coffin. Uh, and so whatever his you know path holds from now i hope it's wonderful because connor does like the hard yards quietly
0: totally and i think he's a world-class surfer and he's continued to improve like him getting to fourth that year you would expect him to get to fourth that year if cloud break was on tour and you know big point breaks he did it at beach breaks yeah i mean He he did it at newcastle you know
1: Man, yeah. Well, I hope he does get back on tour, and I hope that some other sponsor comes, swings in, old school, and picks him up.
0: Yeah. I don't know who that would be at this point in terms of, like, that would be a great fit. And it's Central Coast. Yep.
1: Yeah, there we go. Solved. Problems solved. Nailed it. Connor CI. Um, Yeah.
0: No, he got no, off. God.
1: That was the so, problem. So talk that about was. a
0: bad, talk about mistiming. Yeah. The market he left CI right before the buyback. So he didn't get to participate in that and went to JS.
1: Yeah. That was I mean, he should have stayed, should have stayed with his hometown boards. But and his yeah. Followed His, his brother, his yeah. brother's
0: still CI and was part of that whole thing. So, you know, but at any rate, I think uh maybe even if he wanted to revitalize the vlog thing he could still go on tour like they could incorporate that into the storyline but I think that is ultimately again in terms of reevaluating one's self-worth in this space investment in self I think is the right direction and so waiting for a big contract for the sticker on the nose of the board it's too risky and those guys have enough talent and like I don't know moxie that I think they could just they could, be their own brands, you know?
1: Go do it, Connor.
0: Yeah, and Parker. Go and prosper. You and I are going to go and prosper by going to commercial break and then we'll come back with Barrel and off AG1, do
1: you want to just hit real soft hits? Athleticgreens.com surf. That's, I mean, that's all you need to know at this point. It is health in a bottle. There's it no is other health way in a bottle.
0: We do, the, we do the 75 vitamins, minerals sales pitch every week. We're going to go light on you and just expect that you already know that and that you are jumping off the fence and getting on board with athleticgreens.com surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Chaz, we're back. Easy. Well, you uh, mentioned this early in the show, Kelly Slater come to my hometown to surf a very fickle and uh, normally dormant wave. So barrel or gnaw number one, blowing up a spot.
1: Definitely blowing up a spot is definitely no barrel. Uh, And I will say though, there's a tough one, David Lee Scales. I'm going to say blowing up a novelty. No, I'm going to say no all in because I'm sure there are people there are surfers particularly i would imagine and what i've heard of that wave bodyboarders uh who know that wave right it's not a novelty wave to them this is a thing that they look for they watch the uh, cams they figure or not watch the cams what am i talking about they look there is for, a cam there there is is there a cam there yeah stupid surf line all that good they did just down the toilet now uh, I mean, in this day and age, I suppose that's what it is, right? If there's a cam on the beach or at the wave, then you can't really blow it up. But Kelly going there, of all the places Kelly could have gone, imagine how many more people are going to be looking for that wave now on uh, at those kinds of conditions. And the people who have toiled on a not a good wave, let's be honest, right? Or I'm sure the people who put their time in there surf that thing so bad 99% of the time, the one time it's good or one of the you know, t- times is good every 2 years there's Kelly Slater just well, put on blast. So I
0: Kelly is not to blame in this scenario. Yes. It, it is I know you want to, but it's everybody else naming the spot. You know what I mean? And so I've been surfing in this area for 30 years now and I've been surfing that spot i'd say maybe for 20 years not and not i don't surf it anymore but i surfed it 20 years ago let's say and when i did you didn't even mention it to people yeah like and this is in the middle of like uh surf or it's really close to surf city the epicenter of surfing all the surf industry all of it this is very close and so it's accessible you can park right there you can get to it easily But if you surfed it, it was such an afterthought because it's normally dormant. It's a certain swell direction. It happens in the wintertime and it needs to be massive. And you forget about it. Even if you know that spot works on those conditions, you actually forget about it because a couple of years go through without it ever really breaking and doing its thing. So you just kind of, you forget about it. So anyways, if you could catch it early in the season Before word gets around, you can absolutely get a couple of days of it where it's uncrowded and nobody knows about it. So 20 years ago, you would get those days. You would not talk about it because you know on the next swell, it's going to double the crowds. You definitely didn't publish photos or footage about it. And this was before social media. Then when social media came along, you absolutely did not publish a photo nor name it. All of that is out the window. All of that is gone. Everybody's naming it. The clips are on YouTube. The name's blasted. It's in the news. It's literally in print in the Orange County Register. Kelly Slater surfing in this spot, in this beach. Everybody comes down to watch it. It's like, it's all rules are out. It's insane.
1: I'm blaming Kelly. Again, of course, Kelly's a big draw. Of course, he's going to get... If Kelly hadn't surfed it that day, none of this would have happened, David Lee Scales. Not one bit of it. There maybe would have been... Somebody's personal clips of that day on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever, which fine enough. Kelly is the one who wrecked it. So Kelly woke up that morning and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal joy from a lot of people. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to, I could surf anywhere. What I'm going to go do is steal joy from people who have very little of it. I have all the joy in the world. I just need more. It's the rough time. The parable of the, do you remember in the Bible, David Lee Scales, when David slept with uh, what's her Bathsheba? name? Bathsheba. Uh, yeah, with Bathsheba. There's the one wife of, of the general, and then he goes and sends the general off to kill him. And then the prophet Nathan comes to Daniel and says, tells the parable of this guy who has all these sheep, right? Has all these sheep. And then he goes or uh, has a feast, steals the one sheep from the one guy who that's all he had and that guy loved that sheep cooks that sheep up for his for his feast that's what kelly slater did
0: yep i'm pissed now
1: yeah you should be as you should be.
0: kids getting hep c in in uh, san diego kelly's stealing sheep in an undisclosed location
1: exactly it's kelly's fault where should kelly have served kelly should have surfed <laughs> blacks or the main he should have surfed the the main place where everybody's already looking at it and everybody knows it like he should not have gone and surfed because as fun as those waves looked and whatnot it wasn't blacks good
0: no yeah nowhere near as good it was it was novelty compared to blacks yeah um so the question of like when did blowing up the spot be totally acceptable because by the way the exact gatekeepers who 20 years ago instilled in me to never talk about that spot are the ones who with this swell were broadcasting it and its name so the gatekeepers themselves have flipped their mentality about it and they're fully okay with floodgates open
1: i mean i think that it's just a real if you can't beat them join them like i think everybody's given up right with surfline cameras pointed everywhere and with uh, people who, you know, the flood of people who've come into surfing that don't necessarily know etiquette or rules, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, I think probably everybody feels ah, whatever it's, it's over that day is over. So I might as well post my clips there too, because I got a sick one.
0: I think that's what it is. I think the other thing is that spot is kind of for the, for young kids, like, it's a shore break wave. And so you don't really surf it once you have back issues and knee <laughs> issues and all that sort of stuff. And so the gatekeepers who are no longer surfing it are just like, I don't care if it gets crowded.
1: Yeah. You know, kids gonna to with other body borders. Well, I'm Kelly. I'm, I'm not into it, dude. I, I
0: prefer the, um, the, the old, America. old school. Yeah. The old school policy. Um, I've got a listener line call for our next one. It's kind of a barrel or not. Nah. Uh, it's, a, it's a call that's worth discussing, but I can make a barrel or not nah question out of it too.
1: David, Chaz, Shukin here. I know you covered a while ago, like a high performance board on top of a high performance car. Uh, I saw a couple of things the other day in Waikiki and I wondered, I'm not really sure how to think about it, wondered your opinion. So I saw a custom longboard on the top of a Tesla very similar color, kind of worked. And then I saw a brand new Hummer with a Jerry Lopez Costco board. So is this a Barrel or not, nah, or a Kook or Carol? Not really sure. Anyway, boys, keep up the work. It's the thing um, that only Tom Carroll and Kooks do. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Kook and Carol, I like it. Um, so this is I've seen this on Instagram in terms of like customizing a board to match your car. It's an interesting thought. Um, I see it on Instagram where like these really amazing lamination like glass shops will have like an image of a vintage Porsche that has like some maybe like buttercream color. really unique but beautiful color on the porsche and then there'll be like a fully glossed and polished longboard that has that exact same tint job on it and they're positioned together to make a beautiful photo and i'm like i don't i know i don't envision that those people are driving that car with that board and i like that maybe somebody had this color porsche and they brought it down to the shop and they're like can you color match this for my next longboard but And it makes for a beautiful Instagram photo, but there's something obviously that rubs me the wrong way too about putting that much effort and energy into the polished aesthetic for something that they're probably not, you know,
1: I don't know. It's majorly kooky, I think. It's a total unbarrel. And uh, the real problem is, especially if it's a nice car, uh, you don't, like, if you can afford something, you know, a vintage Porsche or something like that, better not have that be your surf car. Like, did you ever watch, oh, what was uh, what Was that dumb Showtime show about the writer played by David Duchovny?
0: Oh, yeah. Californication.
1: Californication, right? I think he had a boxer, maybe it was a 911. He had a Porsche, right? That was fully beat up. Uh, a newer Porsche that was totally beat up. He got like got a Porsche with his whatever advance and beat it up. Great. That's a surf car, right? Surf cars, are not nice cars. What you take surfing is your truck or your other thing, right? And so there's no point in having your fancy car and your fancy board all dialed in. You are just a major kook and/or using a rinse kit after you get done surfing.
0: I think if if uh, surfing is your you know priority essentially in life, then your car is always every car purchase I've ever made was made with the idea of, how many boards can I fit inside? Yeah. That was the primary factor with me buying a car. And you're right. If you have enough money to have something that doesn't fit the surfboard, something that you would have to put the surfboard on top, that's not the car that you're taking to the beach. No. So this goes This goes back to a barrel or not from a year ago, which is There's no right answer for putting your board on top. The boards always go inside.
1: Boards go inside or in the bed. Yeah. Yeah. So the
0: Tesla, the Tesla with the board on top that is like the same color as the Tesla, you're trying to matchy match. No, you should have the Y series or whatever the Tesla is that has the uh, hatchback or the uh, station wagon look. And then you fit the boards in there.
1: That's it. That's your board goes in your car. Exactly. So no matchy matchy. Nope, no match. Although, matching.
0: although I gotta admit, this made me think about when I was a kid, there was dudes who um they like had one thing that they were really into. And that thing dictated the clothing that they wore and every article of a uh, gift that they would get from everybody in their family. Like there was a Harley Davidson guy. Sure. You know, and he ro- he wrote a Harley, and then all of his clothes was Harley.
1: And or then if anybody got- ever what there's woody guys right there yes
0: like, but except the for the v, back- v-dub v-dub van guy
1: sure but except for nobody is a single surfboard guy surfboards are not don't last long enough for you to build your life around a board right that guy's building his life around both an aesthetic and something he's going to have his vw van he's going to polish it that thing's going to last as long as he does right one surfboard doesn't last maximum if you're not even surfing very much three years max. Right. Right. So yeah. you can't, you can't like build your whole aesthetic around a surfboard. I do miss that guy though. I mean, that guy, is, if you had to be that guy, what would you be that guy around? Like, what would be your thing? That was your thing.
0: I'm not sure yet, but it's funny. Cause like it, it doesn't work in today's era. Like I don't like that guy anymore. And I wouldn't be that guy, but I miss that guy from my youth
1: you can, who is like, it doesn't just have to be cars either, though. It can be the like the mid-century modern guy, the guy who's so, he has a mid-century modern house, mid-century modern furniture, is mid-century like buys mid-century modern thank you cards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: Yeah, that's a cool guy.
1: I'm just saying, there's a there's a, a version of that guy that you could be today.
0: Yeah, there is. I'm not sure what that it would be for me,
1: but me
0: they're literally the dude who had that V dub when I was a kid grew his hair out. I mean, ultimately, you know what this is? It's whenever he was at the peak of his popularity is what it is. It's Al Bundy throwing the touchdown pass in high school. And now he wears his Jersey when he goes out on the weekend and all he talks about is football. It's whenever that guy was getting laid the most is where he is stuck at for the rest of his life.
1: Except for the Harley guy, because it's not like the Harley guy is a Typically, in my experience with the Harley guy, he wasn't riding a Harley when he was in high school. It's a guy who always aspired to the Harley lifestyle. And then finally, at 50, he can afford his Harley. And then he gets his Harley hat, his Harley jacket. He sends Harley Christmas cards out, et cetera.
0: I think it still stops when they got laid the most. So I don't think it took until he was 50. I think he got a beater Harley when he was 23. And that got him laid. And now he's stuck in Harley mode until he's know. in his seventies.
1: How many, how many teenagers or early 20sers do you see on beat-up Harleys? Like when you do, they're pretty cool. They're like, but that guy, the guy's on a beat-up Harley at twenty is definitely not going full branded Harley Hog style as a fifty-year-old.
0: I'm gonna have to do more research.
1: Yeah, we need we need to. Do, I would like to hear from our uh, listeners who are Harley aficionados. To be honest.
0: Also, there's fewer of them than
1: there used to be, right? It feels like that. I mean, it feels, it really like, the does. Harley, it feels like the Harley brand kind of blew out. There's like Harley megastores and stuff now, which yeah. it seems like it's not, the the barrier to entry is not necessarily anything other than money at this point.
0: I wonder if Harley went the same way of Billabong and Quicksilver, where it was like, it was so core and cool and now it's just megastore and not. now. You, now it's cooler to be into Triumphs or Indians or something.
1: I mean, I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah. But again, I would like to hear from our Harley aficionados. Yeah, I would too. If there are any. Yeah, I'm sure. Guarantee the cross section
0: of surf and Harley.
1: Guarantee we have a Harley listener.
0: Um, so final barrel and I already know what you're going to say about this one. Uh, and a barrel and developing a skincare
1: routine. No, no barrel, zero barrel yeah no barrel there's no excuse did you develop a skincare routine no
0: no but i'm starting to consider it i've really i've seen some photos of myself recently that i'm just like gosh i am looking ancient
1: yeah of course that's what happens you are ancient you get old as a man you get old look at sticking clint eastwood do you think robert redford you think they had skincare routines brad pitt does probably
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a great, that's a, <laughs> now you're making my point for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to say you get old. You, as a man, uh, women have skincare routines, men get old. Well, last
0: year when Sunbum sent us those giant packages, care packages, there's in addition to the sunblock, there's all the other stuff that they make. They make all this skincare product. And I'm like, I have that right now. I, I don't have to go out and buy new product. I have that right now at my disposal. And I'm like, man, 2023 new year's resolution time maybe i start a skincare routine at this point in my life i don't like standing next to lauren in christmas photos and her skin is vibrant and glowing and i
1: look ancient you look like a man me as a man david lee scales i'm aged
0: i respect the ethos of all of that is just it's how I live my life in every other way. Obviously I don't wash my hair and I just believe, yeah, obviously live ruggedly and kind of, it's actually good for you. Yeah. But, but I also, um, I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm feeling vain for some reason.
1: Well go down this path and see where it ends up. David Lee scales. See where you end up. I'll be curious.
0: Okay. We'll, we'll revisit this in 2024. Let's do it. Right. Chaz. Well, Hey, you brought to my attention next week, episode two
1: hundred. Episode two. Are we gonna? What, I mean, we'll definitely be in person on episode two hundred. But what are we? That's going what to, we always say. I mean, for sure. Now I I looked at the calendar. Going to San Francisco, I believe, on Sunday. But otherwise, I'm here.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah, it's a good question. What do we do? Do we celebrate?
1: Is Bubaku still a sponsor? No. Oh, bummer. <laughs>
0: um burritos i mean we should celebrate in some way i was what i was thinking the proper way to celebrate would be go through the archives especially like episode one especially the ashton fight and pull clips and put together like you know
1: did you like a celebration
0: year-end type show but it takes so much work
1: if you do that i'll bring champagne did i
0: i mean i don't think i'm going to do that i don't have the time to do
1: that did you hear dj seaweed's new remix No, you didn't, he didn't send it to you. No, he, he remixed the Ashton Goggins episode. uh, Oh yeah. As, as it was by Harry Styles.
0: He did send that to me a couple of weeks ago. I feel bad. DJ seaweed. If you're listening, I have not replied to his last couple of submissions. Um, And here's why. And I didn't have the time to detail this in an email I intended to. He sent a, a submission for an athletic greens ad And in Athletic Greens, he was playing the role of Lewis Hamilton, who also uses Athletic Greens, but saying, I'm I'm Lewis Hamilton and I use Athletic Greens because blah, blah, blah. And it was funny, but I'm like, I can't play that. And then Athletic Greens hears it and it's like, why are you impersonating one of our other (laughs) sponsored athletes like this is a violation? And then they cancel us and we lose a sponsor. So we can't really we can't have that. I can't risk it. So, DJ Seaweed, I appreciate the effort. Um, and then in the case of the one that he remixed with Ashton Goggins, it made me strangely sad when I listened to it, it was funny, but hearing the negativity of the fight made me sad for some reason. I was like, gosh, this feels so dirty. Yeah.
1: How, how negative it was, how low it went.
0: Yeah. Did it make you feel that way at all?
1: It made me want to like re-jump across the coffee table to Ashton. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I was like. And Ashton is still as unlikable today as he was then.
0: I don't see much of Ashton anymore.
1: I mean, I just, anytime I think about him, he feels <laughs> <his> unli- unlikable.
0: <laughs> well, with the DJ Seaweed remix, I thought this existed at a time, like it, it was a real thing that happened, right? And so it was newsworthy and we covered it ad nauseum and we re- revisited it a couple of times. And then the slap happened and that was newsworthy. That all existed at a time for a reason. But bringing it back up now, regurgitating it back now, is like, this just feels negative and distasteful at this point.
1: It's point, I I will fully agree. It is pointless. Like, I don't want it aired again, but uh, I just thought it was funny listening to it myself. But it does not belong in the public. Sorry, DJC, it does not belong in the public space.
0: Right. Like, if we brought it up and played that song now, it just feels like uh, kicking an old... You know, an old tired joke, basically.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: All right, well hey, uh, we'll figure out some way to celebrate episode 200 next week. We will. We'll do it. All right. well hey, good work on 199 and um, people can find you on Beach Grit and at surf journalists. They can support us through athleticgreens.com/surf or through setting a subscription on surf com. Anything else? That's it. All right, man, I'll see you next week for 200. Until then, bon voyage.